This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Welcome back, guys. Happy Sunday. It's been a fun weekend in the sense that we didn't lose, but I have a very special guest here to do a very special episode with me, Dean uh, Mears from King's Meadow Chronicle, When to Mo Podcast, um, and a bunch of other things. Dean, welcome to the Premier Chels. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here tonight. Well, this we're, excited. <laughs> we're, we're excited to have you too. Yeah, it's a little bit of a time difference here, but uh, Dean's been kind enough to jump on uh, later in the evening in the UK, and it's the afternoon here. But uh, Dean, talk to me about the King's Meadow Chronicle. It's now been about six months since you started this. Uh, how did the idea come about and, and um, you know, how's it going so far? Yeah, we launched in October uh, when Chelsea women played Brighton. Um, uh, I've been writing for CFC UK, which is the men's fanzine, for anyone that doesn't know, for, gosh, eight years. Wow. Uh, just as Yeah, just as a contributor, like every month, um, sending in an article and then uh, DJ, the editor, publishes it and... That's one of the biggest fanzines in the country, um, read by lots of the players because uh, DJ knows a lot of them. Uh, he was with John Terry in the away end uh, on Saturday. Um, and then I've always sort of had the idea since I started following the women's team, you know, it'd be cool if we had one for the women's team. And then uh, there's a lovely man called Andy, who is a Man United fan who runs... Uh, Barmy article, which is their version of it, um, for Manchester United women. Um, I started talking to him about how he does it and the challenges, and he, you know, he pestered me for weeks. Um, <laughs> he can do it. He can do it. And when I'm when I get an idea about something, if I don't do it straight away, then it, the idea dies. Um, <laughs> so we met went to Mo Kings Meadow. I text Jane, who's my cousin, uh, on the Monday. And we recorded on the Thursday. Um, so we started before we even sort of thought of anything through. Um, and then luckily Chidge from the fan cast yeah. uh, put it on his platform for me because I wouldn't be able to edit and put all the titles and the ad breaks in. I just push record, push stop, and then whatever we said is what goes. <laughs> um, so sometimes we've got to pause midway through to, to do bits and pieces and it's a bit of a shambles, but it comes together from Chidge. Um, yeah, then... I just I just downloaded uh, InDesign from Adobe and, and went for it. And that's how all these things that I do start. It's just from an idea. And then if I don't bite the bullet and just just go <laughs> for it, um, it never pays off. And it was always going to be PDF at first. I was planning just to launch it um, online. People can download it, get a bit of an audience, and then look to go into printing. And DJ said, well... I'll get it printed for you from my printer. It'll be whatever it is for how many copies. Uh, just said, go for it again. You know, impulsive, I think is the word. Uh, ended up with a, bu- a box of copies of issue one at my door <laughs> uh, that I'm still trying to get rid of, um, if you want to buy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and now we're on issue three. Um, today was a bit of a disaster in terms of selling and the match. Um but we'll have five issues by the end of the year, and then we'll see what happens next season. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of lot of interesting points there. But uh, the one that I took away was if you don't do it right away, it kind of goes away over time. And that's kind of uh, here at the Premier Tales. We started in 2020, but we spoke about starting for two years before that. And finally, like you said, just, just bit the bullet and said, let's just go for it. Um, no, look, I... We're honored to be a part of it. I know you'd reached out, but we're honored to be a part of it. Um, it's very early days for it so far, but like you said, it's growing. I've seen a few people, you know, reach out asking a little bit more about it. Uh, but in terms of the contributors and people that write, you know, articles and content for for the fanzine, um, how do you go about getting them? If someone wants to get involved. Um, how do they do that? And, and you know, ultimately, what kind of content are you looking for? So I sort of normally will put a tweet out every month saying if anyone wants to get involved this, in this issue, um, just reach out to me, send me a message on, on Twitter or send me an email. Um, 
in terms of the editorial brief, uh, which sounds professional, but it isn't, uh, you write about whatever you want to write about. I'll copy and paste it, try and find some spelling mistakes and publish it. So unless it's offensive or liable where we can get in trouble, um, they're probably the two out of bounds things, but uh, people write about what they want to write about. So, you know, uh, we had Clayton in this issue talk about a concert he wanted to go to that got cancelled on the PSG game. Uh, Daryl wrote about his train getting cancelled on the way to the Reading game. Uh, Sophie Spittle wrote about the midfield duo of Aaron Cuppen and Sophie Ingle. So everyone varies what they want to write about. Um, and that's works for me the best because you get a broad range of opinions and ideas and it doesn't make it all the same. If I'm sort of telling people what to write about, then I don't feel like there's any passion or, or heart into what they're writing. Whereas when it's come from them, you know, it's it's what that Chelsea fan thinks about Chelsea at the time. Uh, you know, Harry wrote about Harry Edwards wrote about Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby, how they didn't combine for a goal in 2022, uh, which I didn't know. Um, just assumed they did, but they didn't. Uh, so there's lots of interesting stuff in there. Um, you do Player of the Month, and and Timmy does the graphics for that. Um, you helped me out with the cover for for issue three uh, for your uh, graphics guy, who's fantastic. Um, and like you say, without your sponsorship, we wouldn't have ever gone to print. It would have stayed online because that's free. Uh, but we were lucky enough to have have you guys on board, and we're very grateful for it. And hopefully, that's a partnership that can continue. Absolutely. From from our side, again, I uh, like I said, we're very honored to be a part of it. We're a young podcast. We've only been around for a little bit over two years, but uh, you know, making connections and and getting involved. And I think for us, the the biggest thing right from the beginning was giving the women's team the attention and the coverage that they deserve so uh and what you provide definitely fits in with that so we're definitely honored to be a part of it and hopefully you know we'll continue continue to be part of it in the future and go from five editions to 10 to 15 to to whatever the future holds but uh yeah and i didn't know about uh sam kerr and and frank kirby not combining for a goal in 2022 you think that's just that would be one of the first things that would happen um so yeah definitely good content and and for anyone that's listening and wants to get involved uh, follow you know Dean and and the Kings Meadow Chronicle on Twitter uh, and in on Instagram and and you can definitely reach out to them and try to get involved. Um, Dean, I have another couple of questions here. So you said five editions for this first go around. So we're currently at three, right? Yeah, currently at three because the, the women's season is quite strange that it comes for a spell and then seems to break for ages for international right. football. So. We played on the 23rd of December last year against PSG, and then we haven't played since the Arsenal game on the 15th of January. So we have quite big breaks in between games where we stop issues and launch new ones. Um, with the men's one I do, it's a bit different. So we sent in our articles before, or just after the Fulham game, I think it was. Uh, then Liverpool's the last one for that edition, and then the new one will come out the next game. So the turnaround's a lot quicker for, for DJ and CFC UK for us. The season breaks a lot differently, so it's hard to do it in between games. So we wait for the international breaks to come. So we've got, what have we got? We've got Tottenham, Liverpool, Tottenham, Tottenham yeah. uh, plus a Conti Cup semi-final, should we beat Tottenham. And then we break till March the 5th. Um, so there's a lot of February missing. So we'll stop there and do issue four in, in March. Um and then I think again we go to from March to April, and then we stop for two more weeks, and we'll do issue five for the last few games of the season, where hopefully we win a couple more trophies, uh, a couple more titles, and we sell a few more copies. Yeah, look, ultimately that's that's the goal, right? Is it's selling copies, but spreading the word and getting more people involved and and educated about the team, the sport, the league, uh, because as much as we'd like whatever happened in the summer with the England uh, women's team. The sport does still need to continue to grow and, and spread its wings. Um, so that's on the fanzine, guys. Again, if you're interested, reach out to either one of us uh, on any of the socials and we can you know connect you with whoever needed. Uh, but Dean, let's move on to today's game, which was uh, when you and I first spoke about doing this today, uh, you know, I was like, will it work? I know you're going to the game. Um, obviously, you got there a little bit early to sell uh, the fanzine, but Talk me through in the sense that, you know, pitch inspection was two hours before 10.30. What time did you get outside the ground? What time did you start selling? Uh, and what were you hearing from kind of being in and around the ground about the game? 
So the inspection was 9.30 UK time, um, which is when my son starts a swimming lesson at 9.30. <laughs> so I was just refreshing Twitter for the half an hour he's in there. And then I leave my house from about half past 10 to get up to, to King's Meadow, which is about, uh, on a good day, 45 minutes. But I didn't actually get outside King's Meadow till 12 o'clock today. Okay. Um, so I did miss a lot of time outside um, and it was freezing cold. Uh, and it would have been a good opportunity because I shut one of the stands to get the cover off the pitch. Um, so that was the opportunity missed. But um, I was expecting it to be called off because, you know, I, I live not too far from uh, New Malden where they play. Uh, it's freezing. It, it's not freezing cold as America feels freezing cold. But for us, you know, minus three, minus four, that's freezing cold for us in the UK. Uh, everywhere is frozen solid. Um, I live just around the corner from where Brighton Hove Albion play at Crawley. Uh, I knew that game was going to be called off in the morning. Uh, I didn't need to do a pitch inspection for them. <laughs> I just knew that pitch would be frozen solid. Uh, and I know they tried to keep the game on. So when I see the big cover and they said game on, I thought, well, they've obviously done the job because right. is one of the best pitches in the WSL. Um, even though it doesn't have undersoil heating, as we've learned, but the ground staff there are fantastic, and the pitch is always top quality. Um, and when when I sort of got in the ground about ten minutes before kickoff, from my side on the west end, the pitch did look okay. Uh, it didn't look too bad. Obviously, it was the other side, which quite clearly became the issue. Um, Matt Beard, the, the Liverpool coach, uh, was off his seat going absolutely crazy. Um, and just before that, Neve Charles had been fouled, but the ref didn't give it. So I assumed he was moaning about that. that and yeah. uh, the ref was uh, talking to him and she, she then, the ref then spoke to Neve Charles just after that on the pitch and then called the captains together. So I thought maybe there'd just been someone said tank a bit too much and the ref's making himself feel strong early on. Uh, and then he did, sort of a signal of like closing it like this is finished Done, yeah. uh, and I said I was with Jane and I said to her I think the game's off uh, she's like oh, it can't be they've started um, it can't be off and then Liverpool went to their end where their fans were because they had support coaches come down to the game today uh, that Liverpool supplied for them uh, which was great because you got a, quite a big away following uh, and as soon as they walked over to them I said they know it's over um, they called this game off and it was the crowd was uh, hostile towards the referee coming off, uh, which was probably unfair given what Emma Hayes has said uh, since then. And she tried to calm the crowd down. Uh, she offered us a free hot dog next week. <laughs> um, that. Then I think they're £4.50. So that's probably about $6. Yeah. So time's up for 4000 Um That's a lot of hot dogs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the money she's going to pay out. Um, maybe Tom Bowley's going to have to help with that one. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that might affect our transfer budget to sign some some players. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I think I think the way you summarize it definitely helps uh, because from the outside looking in, you know, waking up, uh, it was a 7.30 kickoff here. So waking up a little bit before that and trying to get involved and see what was going on. And, you know, they said games going on. And like you said, for us over here, when, when it's cold, um, things usually just tend to continue and, and things are normal. But you're right. If it's not safe for the players and the pitch isn't, isn't in the right condition, which for the most part, from what you're saying and what I've read, was the case. It was in the right condition, but certain portions were just icy. And ultimately, we've seen some videos come out that players were slipping. Aaron Cuthbert takes a, a, a kind of bad fall. Uh, and so I think, yes, there's hostility towards the referee, but I think that needs to kind of be refocused towards the FA and and some of the other bo bodies that are kind of involved with this, because I think the referee made the right call um, and protected the players, protected the manager. And and for you, maybe it wasn't a long uh, distance to travel, but like you said, for the Liverpool fans, I can understand the frustration for some other Chelsea fans, uh, you know, trying to be there from all parts of, of the country, even the world in certain cases. Uh, it is frustrating. So there's no news on the refix, uh, rescheduling of this fixture, correct? I think there's still to be scheduled uh, depending on where it'll fit in. Yeah, more than likely, this is going to be a midweek game now. Um so uh, it's not looking good for Wednesday either, um, we're told. Um, Tottenham's game was called off uh, yesterday uh, in the WSL. 
for a frozen pitch. Um, I was just looking on BBC Sport, so across Saturday and Sunday in the UK, uh, you had 54 games called off for frozen pitches. So, you know, it's not... A, I know some people online try to make this a Chelsea issue that we don't pay for undersaw heating, but it's just cold for the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't like it. Um, we like sort of 10 degrees. We like to be mild. Um yeah, um, speaking to some of the coaches, some of the players, they all believe that this is going to be a midweek game at Kings Meadow now, and obviously we've got Liverpool again on on Sunday in the FA Cup. Right, uh, so it's a double journey for them. Uh, hopefully the weather warms up a little bit, but it doesn't look like it will. Um, but yeah, I think as you said, the focus needs to be on the FA. Um, what what was said and what we're told is that the ref said it was unplayable at nine thirty in the morning. Uh, the pitch was never going to get warm enough. Uh, the FA said that it's a TV game, so we need to make sure it, it happens. Uh, they left it as long as they could. The cover was still on at 11.30, so it's an hour before kickoff when the players are supposed to come and warm up. Um, I think the players had about half an hour and Liverpool said they emailed the FA to say this pitch is unsafe, uh, this game shouldn't be being played. Um, and as I said, it, it came apparent quite quickly that the pitch wasn't right um, even on the side nearest to the West End Jess Carter was in a race with uh, Van der Sanden and both of them looked like they couldn't run uh, and obviously they were just being trying to be careful and careful, Aaron yeah. I don't know if you've seen Aaron's uh, leg looks pretty nasty from where she fell over and Eve Charles slipped over about seven times she was playing on the far side of the pitch um, and I think actually fair play to the ref for for saying actually we, we we can't do this, it's not safe for the players. Um obviously frustrating for supporters because we traveled, we're in the stadium, the game's being played. We're expecting to watch a football match, but you know, safety has to come first for the players. And a weaker ref could have buckled to the FA saying play the game and, and they could have yeah. kept playing. Someone could have been really seriously hurt um by falling and even not the one falling, they could have gone into another player and caused a bad injury. Uh so you know, fair play to him and I think there was a statement from the WSL as well where they, they sort of pull it on the referee, which I thought was a bit unfair because if he said it's unplayable, the game's unplayable. Uh, I know sometimes ground staff try and say, well, we can do it, it's fine. But clearly the pitch was never going to be ready for, for 12.30 and because it was a TV game, they couldn't move the kickoff time because uh, they did that for Everton today. They moved their kickoff time back a little bit to give them a bit more time in the sun. And actually when the players went off, the sun came out it warmed up a little bit. Obviously, it takes time for the for the frozen pitch to thaw out. But they could have yeah. left the cover. They could have left the cover on with the heaters. Uh, they had industrial heaters there for another hour or so and seen. But it wasn't to be because of the TV. Yeah, look, I mean, TV. We know from from you know supporting and watching football in general that the TV schedules are pretty tight, and it's um, in most cases it is what it is in, in that sense, but you're right. I think player safety has to be considered. And, and the other thing you mentioned was under soil heating. Uh, now look for a club like Chelsea, it probably is in the works in the sense that it's something that they want to do at Kings Meadow. It's obviously a, a big undertaking, but, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to some of the other clubs, but it's not something that's going to get implemented and installed in every ground in the WSL, just because of different resources and, and conditions across clubs. So, it's something I think the FA needs to look into for sure. Um, and, you know, have work with clubs and work with grounds of staff to see how best to avoid these situations. And in, in cases where it's TV restricted, uh, I think there has to be a more of an open communication between them and the, and the TV stations too, because we, if Aaron Cuthbert gets seriously injured in this game and she's out for multiple months, just because of a slip or something that impacts Chelsea significantly for the next few months. So, uh, again, coming back to player safety, I think that's more the most important. Uh, but Dean, let's talk about Chelsea in general this season. I think uh, a lot of signings came in into the summer, specifically with the women. A uh, couple of you know legends left like G uh, in the in over the summer, but uh, Chelsea kind of revamped, uh, brought in some new players, brought in some experienced players in Kadisha Buchanan. Uh, currently sit in second, uh, 11 games played, 28 points tied with Manchester United, uh, Manchester United and Arsenal sitting in third, 10 games played, 25 points. Uh, we're expected to kind of, you know, title for a challenge for the title every season. But 
How do you see the rest of this season going, at least in the WSL for Chelsea? Yeah, it's been a, a interesting start to the season because I wouldn't say particularly that Chelsea have you know played amazingly well in many games. Um, they've just done what Chelsea do, and that's win football matches. Um, as you said, they they brought in a number of new players who are sort of finding their feet in the team. Uh, you know, if Perisay, Yelena Kankovic, uh, Johanna Ritten Camrid, are you know great players that are still finding their space in the team and. Obviously, Kadisha Buchanan is sort of the only one that, that's come in and played straight away and played from the start. And she took time as well. You know, early in the season, she was really uh, bullied on the ball by Bunny Shaw at Man City. And she's learning the league, learning the physicality. And right now, they've swapped positions with Millie Bright and she looks, you know, 10 times the player. Because, you know, I know some people are thinking, is this really one of the best centre-backs, you know, in the world? And... She's starting to show that now, um, which is which is obviously great. Um, Chelsea have moved from their three at the back formation to a four. Um, seen Magda go out to the left back and uh, not been a fan of that. Obviously, we lost Jon Anderson last summer. Um, there's not really a natural left back in the squad. Uh, Magda obviously plays there for Sweden, so she's gone there. I thought it was interesting today that she was on the bench because uh, Anik Noan... Uh, has gone on loan to AC Milan. So there's no natural centre-back on the bench and Magda's the one that's became the cover, so to speak, and Jess Carter started at left-back. Again, she's not a natural left-back. She's played there before, but that's not her position. Obviously being right-footed. Um, I would like to see uh, Abdelina, Alto Abdelina, give it a go. Yeah. Uh, but Emma doesn't seem to want to put her in the team as such. She's still very young. And I think Chelsea's still finding their their way and their rhythm and what works for them. Uh, you know, Sam hasn't looked the same player this year. Fran struggled with injury and illness. Um, Gura Ryton's been sensational. She's carried on her great form. You know, Erin's finding her home in central midfield. You've had Sophie come back into the team and you've seen her sort of experience and what she brings sort of shine. So I think it's all still clicking for Chelsea. And the fact that they're level on points at the top of the league after 11 games is actually a fantastic credit to them as a squad. Um, because, you know, other teams have lost players like Man City and they're not maintaining their challenge. Um, they're struggling to to get their new players to gel and to settle. And because you've got a great coach in the staff of Emma Hayes and Tanya Oxtaby and uh, Denise Reddy, Chelsea is still there or thereabouts. And once it clicks for Chelsea, um, which I think still needs to happen, especially going into what is the Champions League now, um, I think we'll, we'll absolutely toast this league because we can bring players in, take players out. Whereas in previous seasons, I think we've been stuck with what is the best 11 with two or two or three players maybe off the bench. But this year, it seems a lot different. You know, you can play Kankovic, Lauren James, Frank Kirby, uh, Jesse Fleming is a number 10, Pernilla Harder when she comes back from injury. There's just options for Emma Hayes and the team sort of everywhere on the pitch, which makes us stronger. And when we're playing Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, we can bring in, bring out because the squad is a lot stronger than obviously most teams in the WSL. Yeah, absolutely. And and they keep, like you said, they keep adding talent to the squad and, and making it better. Of course, they all have to gel and work out, but for the, what we've seen the last few seasons, it's always been tight at the top of the table, and Chelsea find a way to put a run together and kind of get it done at the end of end of the, the season. Um, I want to ask you about Lauren James. I know you ran through a bunch of players, but in terms of Lauren James, uh, again from us looking here, look watching the game, seems like a a breakout moment for her in the sense that came in last season for Manchester United, um, was not picked a lot by. Emma Hayes initially and then slowly kind of worked her way in. And then this season we've seen her uh, kind of starting games, working well with Sam Kerr, developing a relationship. What have you made of her this season? And do you see her as as one of those names that will only continue to get better with with time? Yeah, I think she's been she's been great this year. Um obviously she signed with a lot of fanfare and obviously with Reese in the men's team, there there is a bit of an expectation, I think, for her to be that same sort of player that one that makes things happen for, for Chelsea and to be fair to her this year she's she's done that um, obviously incredibly frustrating for her in the first season 
not to be playing, but you know, Emma obviously spoke about getting her right. She had issues at Man United, both physically and um sort of off the field as well. Um, that she she's got right and this is the first sort of time I've seen her sort of gel with other players. So you see her celebration with Sam Kerr. You see them on social media after the game and in the week. She seems to be really a part of the squad now, whereas the season before, I don't think she really felt that. I think she did struggle to adapt to, to what being a Chelsea player meant because of what she experienced at Man United with their bad facilities for the women's team. Um, wasn't really a, a great setup for her. And I think she she felt the effects of that. This season, when she's come in, she's looked she's looked great, and you know when she's got the ball, you can't take it off her. She goes past people with such ease. She's very strong, but she's also very skillful. She's very quick. You can see the parts of her game she needs to just improve on to take her to the next level. But yeah, you know, when you're a team like Chelsea and you've had someone like say Frank Kirby, who has been so instrumental for Chelsea for so many years, she's been the one to make the difference for for the team, along with the likes of Sam Kerr. And they're sort of coming to that time in their careers where you're thinking, how do we go from Fran to somebody else? And you see Lauren coming through. And if she can get that instinct, that clinical instinct in the box that Fran or Sam does, she'll be the best player in the world because she has everything else. And as soon as she starts making that right decision at the end, um, she'll become a world-class player. Because we saw against Arsenal, I think twice, she got to the edge of the box, she got in the box, she just made that wrong decision at the time. And Chelsea obviously didn't score from any of those chances. Once she makes that right call that Fran does nine times out of ten, what can you do? You can't stop her unless you bring her down, but then you're going to get penalties week in, week out, hopefully. And I, I don't think uh, the, the uh, Sam Kerr would mind, you know, getting an extra few penalties and goals from... From Lauren James winning them, but you're you're spot on, and I'm looking at Lauren James right. She's 21, so that will all come with time and, and experience, and and like we say on the other side with the men, I think uh, her playing and getting this experience is going to be invaluable for her in the next few years, uh, and definitely see her as as a long term player for for Chelsea. Uh, Dean, before we jump over to the men's side, let's just touch on the the Champions League for Chelsea this season with the women. Uh, I honestly, when I saw PSG Real Madrid. Uh, as two of the the four in the group along with us, I was a little concerned because PSG we know are you know a household name around Europe. They've got some good good players. Real Madrid, of course, it could be a tough and and tough team. But what we saw with Chelsea last season in the group stage and going out, uh, I was just a little concerned that you know we may struggle a little bit. But hey, we came out and put all my my concerns to bed right away in that first game against PSG and then we continue to build upon that. What did you make of it? And do you think maybe further down in the next few months we we see the Champions League become the priority for the club? Uh because we won the WSL. I'm not disrespecting the WSL, but I think the Champions League is what this club is is going for even the fan base. So with the start that we've had finishing top of the group, you know, I think we we didn't even lose a game if I'm not wrong. Um, so we've put a good platform down. Can we build upon this and maybe make it a step further than we did a few seasons ago? Yeah, like you said, obviously going out in the group stage last year, when you see the group we're drawn in, you're you're thinking the worst. I mean, what I would say about last year is that if we was in any other group, that point total you go through, um, which obviously is just the way it goes at times and. The issue last year was we drew free through with Wolfsburg at home. We drew nil-nil with Juventus at home. Um, we didn't win those home games. And this year we made sure that we got those wins. You know, Valencia, every group has a team that is obviously the one that's the worst team in the group. And we made sort of light work of those. And for me, it was the, the, the Real Madrid game at home because we weren't really sure what, how good they are because they're still an up-and-coming team but they've made some good signings um, um, the first half was a bit bit dull but we did what we had to do in the second half to win the game game 2-0 and as you said we've gone through with um, five wins and a draw uh, the draw being Real Madrid uh, absolutely dismantled PSG in that final game where you know there was more pressure on them than there was us obviously we, we was already through and it was about who finishes top but the way we pressed them up front um, and made they made mistakes and 
the way we capitalised was was really promising. Um, as you said, yeah, I think if you give anyone the opportunity to win, you win the Champions League or you win the WSL, which one would you pick? I think there's going to be very few people that say the WSL and don't say the Champions League because we all know it's the missing piece of the jigsaw for Chelsea. You know, that's the one trophy they haven't won. Arsenal are the only team in England that have won it many years ago. Um, it's a competition that's been dominated by Leon, and you know we've seen Arsenal beat them in the group stage this year. Uh, we've seen Barcelona beat them by Bayern Munich. Feels like it's an open competition this year, although there's a number of great teams in it, um, like the ones I've just mentioned. Chelsea should be right up there, and these signings in the summer have been able to have been meant to, sorry, um, enable that. And we all know Emma Hayes will say she wants both. She'll want to win the WSL and, and the Champions League. I think we'll see a focus on the team sheets in those Champions League games over what happens either before or after, depending on the schedule. Um, but yeah, it's it's an incredibly, as we know in the men's, the men's side, it's an incredibly tough competition to win. Um you know, Manchester United in their dominant years in the Premier League won it in 99 and again in 2009. So they had two trophies in 10 years. We dominated English football. We had two trophies in, in 10 years. It's, you know, they're, they're tough competitions because it's a compact number of great teams that play in it. And that's why they call it the Champions League. Um, can Chelsea win it? You know, of, of course you believe so, but it's, it will be difficult. And I've, I don't know if there's too much pressure on Chelsea to win it like there was with the men's teams all those years where the whole narrative was, you know, the owner wants to win the Champions League. And although it's not coming from Ted Bowley this time, the talk is all on Emma and this is Emma's trophy. And I think that that could be the only hindrance on us is we beat ourselves rather than anyone else beats us. Yeah, very, very well put. And I think if anyone asked Emma Hayes what she wants, she'll say, I want all four. So... That, that tells you the mentality of her and, and where she's at, even though she's won everything domestically. And even when we saw her here in the U.S. over the, the summer tour, uh, and I was, I was you know, I sat in on one of her uh, press conferences. I got to interview her and talk to her about, you know, Champions League and stuff. And she said, yeah, that would be nice, but we want to win it all. And, and that's where we're going to do and focus on. And so um, that's Chelsea. I mean, you've seen the clips of her talking to the players and saying, you know, about the consequences of, of not understanding to playing for Chelsea. So that's Chelsea on the on the women's side. And and we'll definitely have a few exciting months coming up with, you know, the title race, the cup competitions, the Champions League. Uh, everything is open and, and available for Chelsea to win. But we've got to be able to play. And hopefully we don't have many more days like today uh, where games are cancelled and, and player safety isn't prioritized. But Dean, let's jump over to the men's side where things aren't as rosy and as looking positive as the women's side. Uh, what did you make of the game yesterday against Liverpool? And and I've seen a lot of abuse for Mason Mount online. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on on Mason and and you know how he's doing. We've seen a dip this season, which is kind of expected. But let's start with overall your your thoughts about the Liverpool game. Yeah, I thought it was a lot more. A lot more positive, you know. I've not been a you know a great admirer of um Graham Potter and what he's done with the team. He had you know a great start as Chelsea manager, as most of them do, that that ended pretty quickly um, when Chelsea had a string of injuries. And what we've been seeing from the team, you know, has has been dreadful. You know, there's no other way to to coat it. They've been really bad. Um, they they've been a bad football team and. The discussion you need to sort of be having now is whether you believe that Graham Potter is long term can can do what's needed to get the team back to the top. Obviously, the club are investing a lot of money right now to to sort the squad out, which is needed. Um, you know they spent a, a serious amount of money on some great players, and we see obviously Madrid come in off the bench, looked fantastic. If if he can do that week in week out, we've got ahead of a player. Um, I think the sort of player that we've missed, obviously, since we've lost Eden Hazard, someone that can just pick the pick the ball up and do what he needs to do to win it for you. Um, had a couple of great chances, obviously, but couldn't get the goal. Um, but I think there was positives to take from it. Having said that, Liverpool, like ourselves, have also been terrible. 
So we're not playing the greatest Liverpool team ever, like we was probably under Tuchel when we was holding our own. Um, this is a bad Liverpool team, and it, I think it was the first clean sheet they've had since October. I think I see. So you know, this is a team that's used to conceding goals, and we're sort of celebrating a nil-nil draw. Um, I think it just shows where we are. <laughs> um, at the, the minute, but when you have someone like like Madrid that can get you off your seat. I think you have to be excited because that's what football's about. You know, players that that get you you know, buzzing for the next game because I, I can't wait to watch him play again for Chelsea. Um, whether, whether Potter's the man, I don't think he is. And I've written about that for CFC UK, actually. Um, I just don't think he's got that experience at the top, top level to, to make Chelsea a force again, especially if they don't get the Champions League this year um, for next season. Um, and we'll obviously see that against uh, Borussia Dortmund very soon when we've got some some huge games coming up. Um it's been a tough time for everybody, I think. And getting used to not being very good is obviously difficult for Chelsea supporters because we're used to to having good teams and if we blip it's not for long. Um obviously so much has changed in such a short space of time for everybody. It's it's, it's hard for the club and I think the amount of people that have moved behind the scenes as well is another thing that's impacting the performances on the pitch because you know, when you're at a club and we've had all them common boys that have been there since they was eight, you know the faces of the people that work in the offices and the departments. Everyone becomes familiar with everyone and overnight basically everything changed. Everyone's learning where they are, where they sit. You know, Graham's learning on the job, um, which isn't his fault, it's where we are. But when you go to Anfield and you probably come away thinking you should have won the game, I think you've You've got to be positive about about that and what's to come. And if we can, obviously we've got a little break now until the next game, uh, which is Fulham. Fulham, yep, February third. Yeah, obviously we've just lost to Fulham away. <laughs> can we build on what we've seen and and put that right? And if I think if we do beat Fulham, then the league table I don't think it's as bad as it you think it is when you look at it. I know the gap to Newcastle in fourth is is a little bit but you know there's obviously them there that haven't had that experience and obviously United, Arsenal and City all all look good. So I think there's a there's still a there's still a window of opportunity there for us. Tottenham are falling apart, which is fantastic to see <laughs> uh, under Conte, which could be expected. Um there's a chance there I think for Chelsea. Um and they've got to take it and the new signs are only going to help because they new signings freshen up the squad. And when you're struggling, when you have someone come in, and I'll mention Mudrick again, he invigorates and energizes the whole squad. And I think we've seen that. Yeah, and, and not just the squad, Dean. Even even myself and and Jackie, who you know we were watching the Liverpool game not together, but texting through it. And when Mudrick comes on, all of a sudden you have this sense of excitement as a fan base and a, a sense of okay, let's see what he can do. And when he starts doing some of the things that he does, all of a sudden I'm telling my wife in the car, we're driving away yesterday. I'm like, I think I, I, I have going to buy a shirt at some point, you know, in the next few months. And she's like, who are you talking about? Is he going to be as good as Hazard? Because for us Chelsea fans, that's like the standard now is who can they be as good as Hazard? Um, and it's early days. It's what 40 minutes we saw of him or something like that. But from what we've seen, I think there's definitely a player in there and hopefully he gets to settle in and, the price tag doesn't weigh on him, although he doesn't look like the guy that would be affected by it. Um, but I think you touched on a, a lot of good things and you can see it both ways, right? You can say we should have been this, this Liverpool side and we should have come away with the three points because let's be honest, they're missing Van Dyke. Mo Salah was sitting in Cucurella's pocket for most of that game. Um, there's no Jota, there's no Diaz. Mane obviously has moved on. They're, they're a little bit light in midfield. So, uh, on a different run, maybe with a few more games behind us where we had won and come into this game, maybe we walk away with the points. But for where we are right now, two clean sheets back-to-back, -back, undefeated for two games, uh, I feel okay. And I'm I'm looking forward a little more in terms of looking back and saying, well, we didn't win Man City, we didn't win against Forest. That's all in the past and we can kind of look forward now. That could all change, like you said, against Fulham. Uh, who are on a very good run and a good side that that has been put together. Uh, but we need something to kind of continue building upon. And and then we'll see, like you said, 10 points, uh, 19, 18 games to go. So anything is possible. 
Uh, Dean, if we do miss out on the Champions League, do you think there's any benefit of Europa League apart from obviously the financial part of it or even the Conference League for Potter to maybe rotate, have some games to kind of implement different things? Or do you think if we don't make Champions League, let's just miss out on Europe completely and go week to week from uh, Premier League to Premier League game? Uh, Because of the number of competitions and I think how low can you finish? Eighth and not getting to Europe? I think so, yep. We've got to be pretty bad from now until the end of the season not to finish in the top eight, um, which I think would put us in a worse position than having to play in a, a lesser competition. Um, winning the Conference League would actually be pretty good because it's a competition that we haven't won and we've won the others. Um, <laughs> not many teams are going to complete that set, um, although we've done it the wrong way around. Um, you'd probably want to win the Conference League first. Kind of build up. <laughs> the Champions League, not go down in stature. Um I've obviously I've I've grown up in the Roman Abramovich era of Chelsea. You know I got my season ticket at Chelsea the year before, two years before he bought the club, uh, when I was like ten years old. So you know I've grown up with Chelsea winning trophies. So any competition that we're in is a chance to win a trophy. And you know Potter's not won a great deal in his career. Um, experience that you know go all out to win these trophies. And you know we're out of the FA Cup and the League Cup already, but we're not going to win. The Premier League. There's always a chance in the Champions League. <laughs> uh, I don't see us getting past Borussia Dortmund. We're not going to win anything this year. Fair enough. But when you're in a competition like the Europa League, Chelsea's squad should win that competition pretty easily. Uh, we've won it the two times we've been in it before. Um, it would be a failure not to win it, I think. And although Todd Bowley is all about the project. And this team is building for years down the line. I don't think you can forget about the present like that because you're never going to get to that end goal if you're not reaching levels to step up to that end, the end goal. And you're not going to attract the players you need to attract to get, you know, into the Champions League the season after. What's to say we finish in the top four next season? You know, because Newcastle are going to keep growing. If they get in the Champions League, that's going to be a great pull for them. Um, because they have the difficulty of attracting players to live in Newcastle, because it's an absolute dump. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's colder than London, so players from abroad don't want to go and live in Newcastle. Uh, Man United have the name Man United. Um, if Arsenal win the Premier League, that's a draw for them with a great stadium. Tottenham have a great stadium, great facilities. They'll have a new coach in the summer. Who are they going to be able to attract if they spend the money? Um. And then you've got Chelsea who, where are we? You know, can they, and obviously they've been able to sell the project to a few youngsters, but we haven't signed anyone that you think is going to benefit the team right now. Um, probably aside Madrid, who will come into the squad, but the other players for Farna and, uh, is it Badia Shai? I never know how to yeah. pronounce his name. Yeah. Well, he looked good in these two games. He's not someone you're signing who's right and ready to be a leader of the defence. You're still relying on Thiago Silva. We still haven't fixed the Reese James issue. It's we're, we're I don't know where we are basically. Um, so if you're in a competition, to get back to your question, the more trophies you have, the more successful you are. The, the brighter things look, and the more harmonious the fan base will be, the better feeling in the club that you're going in the right direction. Whereas if you get knocked out in the last 16 to you know, a random team from Poland, that doesn't do your your team no favours. And if you put out your, your academy side for every group game and you don't go through like Spurs have done before in the past, that doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't do anything for your academy players. It doesn't do anything for your first team. It just brings bad feeling so you know, get into the if you the best we can do this year is finish fifth go in the Europa League and win it because if you don't finish in the top four next year you've got a place and it gives you two opportunities and the best times at Chelsea is when we've won trophies you know when Mourinho was first here when Ancelotti's first season Conte's first season um, I think Sarri is the only one that hasn't enjoyed winning a trophy and <laughs> fan base Uh but yeah, the best times that people remember is when you're successful. So 
for Potter and for Chelsea, that's that's who we are. And I think the the new ownership should hang on to that aspect of of what we were as well, even if they want to change anything else. Win win football because what are we doing otherwise? You go out to win to win a football match, don't you? Not to have the best analytical department in the world. <laughs> that doesn't it doesn't win you trophies? What wins you trophies is the is the players on the pitch. I totally agree. And and while you're saying that, I'm starting to think, right, like you've mentioned, Graham Potter has been successful, but not won any major trophies. Todd Bowley's come in. This is his first, uh, you know, experience in the world of football or soccer. Um, And so they both are kind of coming in and looking for that first trophy, whereas Chelsea obviously have a history of trophies. Those two need to solidify their places and their intentions of what we want to do. And uh, it brings me back to the Mourinho's first season. He took the Carabao Cup, Carling Cup back then very seriously because he said, I want these players to taste success. That's going to be a foundation for the next few years. And that's exactly what he did. So I, t- I totally agree with you. I know it's not a glorious Champions League, but every time we've gone to the Europa League, we won it. So why, why not go back there? And if not, why not go into the Conference League and, and get another trophy and complete the set, like you said. Um, I touched on Mason Mount, and you mentioned a harmonious fan base. Um, we're clearly not that at this point, especially in terms of certain players. And Mason Mount's one that that divides opinion, right? He's he's a Cobham boy. A lot of Chelsea fans love him, but there's a lot of Chelsea fans that want to criticize every little thing he does because he is a Cobham boy. Um, and look, I'll be the first one to put my hand up and say, yesterday he did not have the best games. But that was the kind of game it was. It was a, a, a scrappy game. He was not at the best. He's been playing for two straight seasons at the top. He's one player of the year twice in a row. Is this just a drop or is Mason Mount in need of a resting? Or how do you see it from your side and some of the folks that you talk to in, in this whole Mason Mount situation? Yeah, it's an interesting subject, Mason Mount. Um Inside Stamford Bridge and any away end, Mason Mount is one of the most loved players on the pitch because he represents a style of player that Chelsea fans have, have loved throughout history. You know, in the 80s and the early 90s when Chelsea weren't very good, you know, Chelsea were, where were you when you were shit? You know, fans were there. <laughs> They're seeing tickets now. And what they appreciated was players trying and working hard because they knew they weren't very good at football. Um, they would lose games, but if the players put up a fight, they would, they would support them off the pitch. And you know, Mason and someone like Connor, they're throwbacks to that era for for many season ticket holders. Um, players that give everything for the badge and for the team, and they don't sulk off when things aren't going well. They, they run and they chase every ball. And you know, Mason come into the team under, under Lampard, and he was you know a breath of fresh air for Chelsea. Um. And he had he's had a fantastic two years, and I think it is a drop. But I think where we've changed managers and we've changed formations, I think he's lost his way a little bit, and I don't think he knows where he sits as a player. You know, where are you playing, Mason Mount? What's his position? Because they're not playing a midfield three. He's not really a forward. He's not a six. He sits in this sort of no man's land, where Chelsea aren't really playing. You're not building your team around Mason Mount, basically. You know he's not like a Hazard type player, or you know someone that okay, we do everything to make this player do everything they need to do. And players like Mason and Collar will sacrifice themselves for the greater good of the team. He'll play wherever the manager picks him. I think Potter's picked him in every game. I think he's the only player that Potter's picked in every game, which says a lot about who he is as a player and as a person. People will always think that you can upgrade on on him because I don't think he's a natural in where he plays for Chelsea at the minute. So he's become the the poster boy or the whipping boy for what people think we can do better at. When we're losing, you want to pick someone out and say, this is the reason that we're losing. And, and Mason has that for online for some reason. It, it doesn't happen at the ground. But I'd like to know your thoughts on why you think you know Mason is that is it because of his relationship with Lampard at the time when we were bad? 
I think it's always a bit lazy to say it's supporters from that don't live in England or overseas and maybe they don't have that connection to, to Frank Lampard. So because Lampard was close to Mason, they picked Mason because although having said that, I would think that fans in the ground did that with Sarri and Jorginho and they hated Jorginho because he came with Sarri um, and things weren't going well. So they picked him to, to aim their anger at and Jorginho sort of, he turned them around and I think he's turned them back again the other way now. <laughs> I think talking about him leaving, I think it's probably the right time. Um, the Champions League was the high and we'll leave it there. Uh, although I've been a big fan of him since he's joined. It's, it's really complex and I think you probably need to sit down with thousands of fans and ask them the same questions and put their answers together and to come up with a conclusion of why, why it's Mason... At the moment, he looks like he needs to go away from, from football. Looks like he's wearing it. Um, and I don't know how much he sees of it. He obviously wouldn't hear it at the ground, but you know, is he on his social media looking at right. all the comments coming through? You don't know what they, these players do. It, it's hard to imagine that, that Mason's out somewhere and someone's coming up to him saying, you're shit, um, get out of my football club. Um, I don't think that would happen, but if he's looking at what's being, he's being tagged in, he looks like he is reading it. He looks like he's feeling it. I think he did a, an interview yesterday on Saturday with someone after the game and he looked like we lost 6-0. And, and that's not Mason's character. He's very bubbly, very you know, alive with the group. He looked like he was wearing everything on his shoulders. And I think you know, if I was the manager, I would say to Mason Mount, put your phone away get on an aeroplane and come back in a week because we've not yeah. got a game on Saturday. You don't need to come training. Go away. Re re refresh yourself, recharge yourself, come back as Mason Mount and you'll be in the team. Don't worry about it. Because yeah, no. like, he's not going to, he's just going to eat into himself. Does he end up like Deli Alley or Jesse Lingard right. where they, they end up hating football and they're playing resentful all the time? You know, he's got to enjoy himself. He's a young kid who's won so much already there's so much more for him to come for Chelsea in my opinion um, I think it's always going to have that aspect online because there is always going to be a disconnect between supporters that have come late to the success and ones that have been in the stands for many years I think that'll always happen regardless of whether Chelsea are winning or not having said harmonious before <laughs> just be more happy than it is right now because at, at the moment it's pretty horrible to be online at sometimes. Yeah, to totally, totally support everything you've said. And and look, I my last game at the bridge was in 2019. So it's been a few years since I've been out there. But um, and like I said when I first asked the question, I'll be the first one to put my hand up and say Mason needs to do better. But I'm not gonna sit there and put out tweets that that you know kind of instigate hate full of or abuse towards him. So um he's one of us, he's someone that feels these victories losses draws defeats whatever you want to say as much as we do because he's grown up supporting the club he's been a part of the club more than some of us have in the sense that he's seen a lot of things behind the scenes that we don't get to see and so I think you're right when when we see him in the in the media and he's not himself uh there's a lot on his mind right there could be things within his family that we don't know about there could be things that uh he's hearing that we we don't know about so I always try to be respectful towards players. Look, Jorginho is one that I've sat here and said different things about. Uh, but I'll be honest, it's the connection with Mason is a little different than the connection I feel with Jorginho. The connection I feel with Reese James is a little different than I feel with um, Ben Chowell, for example, even though I love Chowell. It's just when these guys come through the academy and we've for so long as Chelsea fans been told, you just buy success, you don't bring anyone through. When we see our own guys come through, like Reese and Mount and Tammy and uh, Hudson Adoy and Chaloba, and we see them kind of stay within the team and then get picked on because they've not had the best performance. It's a sport. It's a sport where you can't consistently perform ten out of ten. I mean, Mo Salah. I just gave you an example earlier where I said he was in Cucurella's pocket. He's been arguably one of the best players in the league for the last four, five, six, seven seasons. This season, he's not performing. You don't see Liverpool fans on his back. Um, so I, I really think Chelsea fans and mainly the ones throwing out this abuse and hate, 
uh, need to take a step back and see the player and what they feel regarding the club. And look, everyone has an opinion. That's the beauty of this sport and, and the world. Uh, but be respectful and try to keep things a little more sane than just go off the rails and, and get crazy. Uh, but Dean, I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, it's been great connecting with you after a long, long time. We've been talking, I think, for almost two years um, on Twitter. So finally, good to see you. Uh, just before we wrap it up, if anyone wants to get involved with the fanzine, uh, why don't you tell us how to, where to reach out to you, email, social media, how, whatever it is. Yes, you can find it on Twitter. It's at Kings Meadow Chronicle. Uh, the email is kingsmeadowchronicle at gmail.com. Uh, you can order copies online at kingsmeadowchronicle.bigcartel.com. So you can buy physical copies for anywhere in the world. Um, you just have to pay the postage, um, which unfortunately for America is the most expensive um, than anywhere else in the world. don't know why. thought we were friends, um, but they want to charge most to send it there. Um, you can also get it emailed to you, which is obviously a lot cheaper. So it's just a pound um, to get it emailed over. It's a PDF copy. Uh, the physical ones are two pound plus whatever postage, depending on where you live. Um, you can subscribe to it so it comes through the post as the issues drop. Um, you can also do that for the PDF. So when I've got it ready, I'll send it straight out to you. Um, you know, the more people that sort of that buy it and spread the word of it is only going to help. You know, it become you know, a, a sort of a big deal and people recognize when I've got it out that the game's what it is. Um, people give you a few funny looks at the minute, like what you what have you got there? That's not a program. Uh, but yeah, you know, the more support that people can give, you know, even if you just if you can't afford like afford to, to buy things at the moment, just retweeting anything that we put out and stuff like that really helps. So um, you know, it's been great that people like yourselves and you know everyone else that's that's helped it along the way so far. Otherwise, I'll just be talking to myself about it. <laughs> uh, no, we 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 support you, Dean, and we support all the 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 contributors to the fanzine, and we look forward to seeing it grow where people are like Dean, the, you know, the guy who does the fanzine versus now they're giving you looks. Um, and then let's just touch on, on the podcast that you run as well. I think you mentioned with your cousin, Jane, uh, went to Mo Kings Meadow. Uh, where can we find you and, and fully focused on everything Chelsea women, right? Yeah. So we exclusively cover the women's team. We don't talk about the men um, at all. It's probably good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's at Mokings Meadow on Twitter. And then we publish through uh, the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, so all our podcasts go through their feed. So you'll find them everywhere. Um, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, um, wherever people listen to these things. Um, I never listen back to my own. So <laughs> it's somewhere. Um, which is because we actually published the wrong episode last week, um, which shows I don't listen back to it. Um the wrong file got put in somewhere. Um, so we ended up talking about Reading when we just played Arsenal. Confused uh, <laughs> a few people. But um, yeah, we like to have fun. Uh, we have some great guests on uh, talking about the women's team and people that go week in, week out, home and away and abroad. Um, yeah, so that's through the fan cards, as I said, and at Mo Kings Meadow. Although... We're a bit sort of. We try and do live broadcasts as well, which is every Tuesday at eight PM UK time. Uh, but we're probably going to miss this week out because there were six minutes of football, um, and that was it. And I've I've come on this tonight, so I think I'm done for the week. Uh, <laughs> if anyone I've got to say, they can listen to Premier Charles instead. There you go. That, that that's what I like to hear. Uh, but thank uh, Dean. Thanks very much for your time. I know it's a little bit later there, but great chatting with you. Uh, and we look forward to obviously staying in touch over over WhatsApp and Twitter, uh, and we'll be here supporting. and And I think I have a couple of ideas with the fancy that I'll I'll shoot you a message over, and we can see how best to to kick off the growth here in in the US with that. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Continue to subscribe, like, and follow us at the Premier Chelsea, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Instagram, and on Twitter it's at Premier Chelsea. And as always, send us your feedback, and we will be back with a new episode, but until then, stay safe and up the Chels. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. 
They deliver fresh bags directly to your home. So you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.